The game, our numero dos, Mitch Fortner, Troy Coverdale, David G, and Big Steve is back on the board today. He's substitute. He's no longer the full-time board up. That's Travion Berkland, but he's been taking over for today. Boy, I tell you what, Lindsay, my girlfriend, has just sent in an interesting question I think we need to briefly discuss here on the air. Let me pull up the, the text here. Oh, wait a minute. Are you, you're not going to get too personal here, are you? No. Okay. No, no, no. But it's a music question. <laughs> Is Van Halen considered a hair band? So, first of all, hair hair bands or hair metal, that's glam. Mm-hmm. Hair metal, I don't think is really, it's kind of like a nickname for the genre. Sure. But the name is glam. Are they? I, I say yes, but they're definitely not as glam as the bands we think of. You know, Motley Crue, Poison, uh, Quiet Riot, throw out some Striper. Striper really stands <laughs> yeah, out to man, me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Dokken, like those kind of bands. White Snake. Enough's enough. I could keep going. Enough is enough. Enough's enough. Oh, there. Oh, come on. Really? Oh. Dude, you're the K Rock Morning Show guy, and you don't know that? Enough's enough. No. Who are they? I smell termination papers oh, being filed right now. Enough is <laughs> enough. Okay, well, Van Halen, at least for me. I would like to think pioneered hair metal. They're not like the hair metal, but they've helped pioneer it. And honestly, I think they bridge kind of the the gap between glam rock and hair metal. I claim it as dependent on the iteration. The David Lee Roth version of Van Halen, yes. Van Hagar, no. For sure, no. Van Hagar, well, I mean, Sammy had some nice big hair. Oh, yeah. He didn't like, he wasn't teasing and putting, you know, the, the hairspray. Right, he was letting those locks flow. Now, Diamond Dave, he he definitely, I think, was known for wardrobe on stage. He had some big hair. Like they, I think they helped get it started. I would. They're definitely not one of the biggest hair or glam metal bands. They're not like the Mount Rushmore or anything like that. But what Big Steve was saying, like a blueprint, I think that's a fair. I think that's fair to say. I, oh my God! I, are they? But or like are bridging they? a gap, though. I don't think there was. Was there a gap? Like to me, that's all. It's the same genre. It is the same. I, I don't think to me there's a difference no. between glam and hair. No, it's the same thing. And I think that's what they were looking for to categorize Van Halen in the late seventies. Like, what are? What would you call these guys? They're a hair band. Look at his hair. Look at that lead singer's hair. Your challenge, by the way, Stephen, is to find. New thing by Enough's Enough to yeah. educate Dave G. I'm okay. looking at these guys and like, no, <laughs> never heard of them. Jeez Louise. That, that honestly looks like a band I wouldn't enjoy listening to. Me either. I would skip right they by honestly, them. They look like posers. Yeah. Yeah. It's like Motley Crue. They dressed like that and they wore like makeup, teased their hair. They had all kinds of crazy clothes, but they would beat you up after the show. <laughs> if you said something about them, they would hit you with a chair. The, enough's enough. They didn't do that. I also uh, think with the look came the lifestyle. Absolutely. 16 albums? Wow. Good Lord. 
<laughs> hey man, some of these hair metal bands, they have like a ton of albums, but only like two memorable songs, okay? Yeah, Fly High well, the Shell and New Thing. Yep, that, that's it. Yep, you nailed it. Those are the only two, though they did, you know, appear on uh, on Mitch's favorite, the Stern Shell, at one point. Chip Zenuff is the guy that started his name. I'll be honest with you, I've heard of them, but I couldn't tell you a song. Yeah. Could not tell you a song. Horrible. It is hour two of the game. We're off work. At least, hopefully, you are. Honk your horn if you're off work and you're glad to be. Yeah. And now honk your horn if you're still uh, working. <laughs> Run out there. There's some folks out there as well. Like, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, before we, uh, well, I wanted to get to this as well. Mentioned it with DOI earlier today. Elia Drinkwitz has <laughs> named a quarterback. Excuse me. I actually have a nickname for him. Elia Dorkwitz. Yeah. Has. Named a, a starting quarterback for the Missouri Tigers earlier today, and that's Brady Cook. He was a reserve last year, backup quarterback who appeared in a handful of games. He threw for about three hundo and a couple of touchdowns. Didn't throw any picks, but apparently he's a big deal as a great arm, also a mobile type of quarterback. I'm not scared, guys. I'm not scared by this nah. Brady Cook kid where Missouri fans are getting on message boards and calling him the next Tom Brady. Let's pump the brakes. Probably way off. He has started one game, one game in his career. And I'm going to go ahead and put the note down right now, save it for later. Mark. Number 12, Brady Cook is sacked on the play <laughs> by number 91, Felix Eddie DK Uzama. <laughs> Get used to saying that, Mitch. Jeez. Can you believe, though, you think about it, if the tuck rule game doesn't happen, do we even have a, that's the next Tom Brady kind of talk? Oh, man. I mean, if that doesn't happen, he would probably not ever. I mean, Drew Bledsoe probably comes back and starts for that team. You know? And then we're never even talking about he would have got a, He would have had a shot, right? In training camp, yeah. And then they'd have been like, we're paying Drew Bledsoe $56 million a year. Better start him. Well, and, you know, let's be perfectly honest. They were able to unload him and... It worked out for both sides for sure. in the end. For sure. Because he still had a serviceable career. He did. He played for a long time after that. Mm-hmm. He really did. Mm-hmm. Well, did he did he go straight to the Cowboys after no. New England? Bills. Oh, that's right. And okay. then he goes Cowboys. And then somewhere else, I think, too. I think he played on a third team. But with that, and that's without Googling him. But Drew Bledsoe played forever, five ever, man. Well, I think this next topic will uh, interest Troy over here because it has to do with TV rights. Oh, God. It's been reported by ESPN, the Big Ten. They're close to finalizing their new media rights deal. Mm-hmm. And so the, the way it has been described, Fox is going to be the big one. Tier one. Tier one. And then tiers two and three would be CBS and NBC+. Plus. There would also be a streaming service involved. So, Apple is reportedly the interested oh, party. It? I've heard three names. So Apple was the one that I was picking up on as being the primary out of those three that would have an interest. So they are uh, picking up all three tiers have been, I mean, the pretty big, obviously, names in, in broadcasting sports. And then they're also going to be associated with a streaming service. Mm-hmm. So they're hitting all facets. That means they're going to end their uh, relationship with ESPN. And they have a relationship that goes back since... Like somewhere in the 60s with ABC. Mm-hmm. One of the things that interests me about this, does ESPN treat them then the way that they treated the NHL when they weren't a property of ESPN, if you will? 
if they weren't a partner. Remember for all of those years that the NHL was on Outdoor Life TV slash versus slash NBCSN. How little programming time you got in terms of discussions, in terms of sports center highlights, in terms of any of those things, how little of all of that you got regarding the NHL on ESPN. However, ESPN still has the golden goose at the end of the season in the college football playoff. So at the start of this, they wouldn't want to eliminate the Big Ten out of the loop completely in their discussions. Not that they do all of that great of their discussions on college football to begin with. Stephen A. Smith talking college football is about as yeah, anyway, awful. Not, it's, it's awful. awful. It's awful. I don't think I've ever heard him talk about college football. Yeah, well. When he does, it's like, he's like, wait a minute. Kicking and screaming. He's kicking like, and screaming. I mean, screaming is already what he does, but, you know. <laughs> he did a quick search on Twitter to see if he get any talking Absolutely. points. Pretty, pretty much, yeah. yeah. He's like, wait, mm-hmm. the USC's still pretty good, right? <laughs> no. I mean, well, I mean, come on. Uh, quick search on Google to get his talking points is how he operates on a <laughs> normal day. Um so, you know, that that leads me to that question mark, though. You know, how do they get treated then by ESPN going forward? Uh, you're talking about the Big Ten? Yes, in their standard programming. I thought it, that's going to be an interesting dynamic to watch. The question I have on my mind, so what does this mean for the Big 12? I cringe personally at the fact that now the Big 12 is probably going to wind up in bed with the media outlet that tried to essentially eliminate the conference last year. It's like returning to an abusive spouse. Mm -hmm. It's like... um, Maybe that's an overstatement, but... You know, it's like Larry Holmes was questioned about his business relationship with Don King back in the day. And they're like, you know, Don King's really shady. And, you know, he's known for taking money. Mm-hmm. And It's a great analogy, by the way. He said, I make more money with Don King stealing from me than I do working with anybody else. At some point, you got to just call it like it is and say, you tried to kill me. I want to kill you. Can't do it. Let's get together and hang out together. If if that's the best deal on the table, the Big 12 can't not take it. Go take it. The Big 10 to the uh, to NBC puts to bed the thought that everybody had I know about uh, the Big 12 and being shoulder programming to Notre Dame. The Big 10's going to be that programming. So that knocks that one completely out of the mix. Um so yeah, you're left with ABC ESPN. Which, again, I I cringe at because of last year, but yet the landscape changed dramatically Mm -hmm. in a year. So, you know, at that point, you're kind of driven back to each other. And it will be interesting to see what the Big 12 is able to negotiate out of ESPN at that point. What does it mean as well for the Pac-12? 
as they continue to hang in there on their fingernails. Yeah, so that's the discussion. So ESPN does have the SEC in a year or two. ACC they have as well, and that's locked up for another decade, Mm -hmm. or over a decade. It's two for the SEC. CBS is making noises that there is no way, no how, it isn't happening. We're going to run that contract until it is done. ESPN, keep your hands off of it until it is done. And they will continue to underpay for the next two years. But there's also, I mean, CBS could still run, even though it's not a tier one for the Big Ten, the Big Ten could still get CBS what they would call their primetime slot, which had turned into 230. That will wind up being uh, in two years. Right. Yeah. But that, that would fill it in two years. These next two years, it's still going to be the SEC getting the primetime spot uh, at 2.30 on CBS. Mm. But now is this a fight between the Big 12 and Pac-12 to prove to ESPN who's better? I mean, well, you can't argue that the Big 12 stretches across this United States with the exception of the West Coast time, which belongs, of course, to the Pac-12. And yes, they can provide games week in and week out on that fourth time slot. But this is an argument we brought up a few weeks ago, and that is the Big 12 has plenty to cover 11 a.m., 2.30, and 6 Mm o'clock. There is no argument there. Now, there was – there had been a report out there somewhere. I can't remember who it was from that the Big 12 could have an advantage over the Pac-12 right now, but the report was it's just a slight advantage. It's really not that much. The Pac-12 does still have a couple of pretty big brands on their roster, bigger than what the Big 12 maybe has to offer. The flaw with that is how many times are you going to put Oregon or Washington in the late-night game? They're going to be demanding different time frame than everybody else is. You can only rely on that late game for the Pac-12 so often with those two teams because of their national brand. The, those two teams are going to continue to angle and try and figure out where their best time frame is, and the Pac-12 is going to be forced into having to put them in that time frame if they want any national relevance at this point. What a position to be in. <laughs> you know, like all of a sudden... You're scrambling if you're the Pac-12. You're really scrambling. If if you look at a school like K-State, of course, this might be, if it it all works out, a bone thrown towards the Big 12. If it does work out with ESPN and they get a great deal out of it, that takes care of all the streaming worries you had about because ESPN has been a fantastic partner with streaming all of your sports. Valid. Even though football is by far along – in any aspect you look at this, football is the main number one priority. But now the Big Ten has to worry about basketball and Fox's relationship with the Big East and getting those games on TV every, you know, Saturday and every Tuesday or Wednesday. Yeah, or that's Thursday. That's a great point as well. And does it begin a renewal of FS1 being more of something in the marketplace as that has kind of faded from being an attention item for Fox Sports because they they tried, it didn't work the way they wanted it to, and they yoinked it. You know, and it's one of those things, too, is like, it reminds me of a conversation we had a few weeks ago about 
the Big Ten commissioner said one thing about the playoffs, and then he came back and said something else. He was like, hey, we'll walk them back. Um, the discussions on whether or not ESPN is even going to give the Big 12 a deal or a good deal is not even up to – it's a, it's between the advertisers and ESPN. And so I'm like, do, do they care? I mean, do they really – do they really say we need to give these guys a uh, we need to give these guys a good deal? Because that's the whole thing with the playoffs. I know that's what happened. He said that, right? He said we're open to it. And then when he went golfing the next day with the VP of advertising at ESPN, and they went golfing, you go, oh yeah. By the way, when uh, you were talking about the expansion, we talked to the advertisers, and it's just not in their best interest right now to discuss having multiple people added to that playoff thing. So just you know, let's just talk, not talk about that. I know that's what happened. It's all money and it's all advertising stuff and the deals. It's fun to kick these ideas around, but ultimately it's up to whether or not the numbers, if it don't make money, it don't make sense for them. That's where, though, the Big 12 is going to hang its hat on having Brett Yormark as commissioner at this point. That's why Brett Yormark got this job was, as someone put it in the interview room, the Rolodex of contacts is amazing. Right. That's where they're counting on Brett Yormark as commissioner to drive that because he's already got the connections with the advertisers. I hope he's got that dog in him, too. You know, I hope that he's somebody that can come through and maybe come up with some innovative ways to use streaming because... If you go back just a couple years, how much better is ESPN streaming than it once was? When they first kicked it off, it was like, oh, my God, this is terrible. Now it's seamless to me. I I never have a problem with it. One of the things involved there is that they really level demands on schools. I don't know, Mitch, how much you know about what their demands are for the Big 12, for any of the schools, say, in the Power Fives. I know that for the G5 schools and on down the line, that the demand can be a bit of a drain on those schools' finances, and uh, it's a tough deal. UNC, as an example, went from Big Sky being on Pluto TV, a free entity, Mm -hmm. but you had a heavily varied caliber of production that was taking place throughout the conference. It wasn't as mandated as it probably should have been. Sure. And once they signed on with ESPN+, Plus, the mandate is you have to have X cameras, X feed, this speed coming out of your place for the internet. You have to have all of these things. And for a place like Idaho State, that's a challenge because they've got two very dumpy arenas (laughs) uh, where nothing has taken uh, work in infrastructure in about 30 years. And so internet in both of those buildings was a problem. That costs money for those schools, but in the end, they believed that the upgrading was better because they wind up on ESPN+. For sure. Well, I just got a couple of things to say. One, 
uh, even though the ESPN tried screwing over the Big 12. Uh, you know, ESPN Plus, along with Brian Smoller giving me some opportunities, has turned me into a star. So, <laughs> Yes, yes, let's do it, let's do it. Yes, Mitch, sorry, go ahead. If the price is right, baby, if the price is right. But also, it was also reported that the Big 10, or I'm sorry, ESPN... Is that a kissing? <laughs> ESPN turned down uh, the Big 10's... Uh, Yes. What they had thrown out on the table for seven years, $380 million a year. But Jeez. that was going to be, likely to be the second. That was going to be tier two in all likelihood, rather than tier one uh, for that. That Fox was going to be tier one. That's a expensive tier two deal Man, that the they put on the table. we're talking about is insane. It that is. is insane it money, is. man. It's it is. 537-1350 is our number. I do a terrible job of throwing out the number. Yes, we are still taking calls. Feel yeah. free to call in. Our old friend Rick from Manhattan has called in. Rick, what's going on? So as these um, conferences get bigger with more and more schools, I really think as fans we need to be prepared for them, the, the networks, to start putting more games on uh, awkward nights like Thursday nights or mm. Friday nights. And I've read a few articles about the NFL, like, well, you know, if you guys are growing college football so much, it's just been a unwritten rule that we're not going to play on Saturdays. So the NFL may decide, hey, we'll play on Saturdays if you guys, you know. So I, I really think there's a potential. If you've got that many conference teams, why would you put them against each other on the same day, um, competing for ratings against other conference games? I think they're going to have to start looking at different days to play the football games. No, and that's a great I mean, point. That is a tremendous point when you look at it, even with what the SEC is going to be in two years. You're going to wind up relegating a good portion of their TV or their coverage. Uh, a good portion of those games are going to wind up being streaming only because they didn't get the TV carriage. Well, in uh, the last five years or so, cutting the cables really made me rethink what is TV anymore anyway? True. You can watch True. Driving, driving Down the Road in Your Car, although you're not supposed to. <laughs> but for a long time, the NFL and the college game, they've kind of agreed unofficially to not compete against each other, but I think it could start to happen. Some teams may start playing on Sundays, and we need to be prepared for that as college fans. Rick, greatly more, appreciate More, thir more Thursday or Friday night games. Yeah. Yeah. Rick, appreciate the call. We got to get to a break. Thank you. Now, I bet, I bet with Fox, I and nothing's for sure, but with Fox, if this is going to be the deal that they go with, with the Big Ten bringing on what's turning into a super conference, they got to step up their streaming. They got to compete, mm -hmm. take the next step, mm -hmm. and compete with ESPN. If they're really starting to, if the Big Ten and Fox want to be a, a competitor, step up that streaming. I know Fox has their app. And you can stream games on there, but it's not like it's ESPN Plus. It's nothing like it. Dude, it's and brutal. I haven't tried. I couldn't tell you what the Big Ten Plus is like, which would be the other arm of that, because Fox and the Big Ten have been together on that deal since that network's inception. So I couldn't tell you what the streaming is like there, but, you know, that could very well be just as problematic. All right, let's get to a break. I'm sure once this thing becomes official, we start getting more details. We'll have more conversation on this on a later day. But coming up next, we had a press conference earlier today with the position coaches on the offensive side of the football for K-State. We'll hear from running backs coach Brian Anderson next.
free Britney. Hashtag. I think she's been freed. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait a minute. Hashtag get her back. Freed Britney. I, I was prepared to make a diamond on the backstage joke myself, Don't actually. You dare. I thought you were going to hashtag lock her up. Yeah, I was no like, what doubt. you do? No, 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 no. <laughs> Remember that? What was it? Oh eight, oh nine. She went through a run, dude. She Where she a, shaved her head. Oof. Oh God. Rough. And then she was running around in public bathrooms barefoot. I thought that's the most egregious thing she's done the whole time. That's gross, lady. You need to go to the doctor tonight. It's the game on K-Man earlier today. It was a hot one at Bill Snyder Family Stadium. We were supposed to get there at twelve thirty. They're gonna let us through gate A. I was like, all right, where are we going? Oh, we're going to the field. Oh, we're it's hot. I mean, I was there for 30 minutes, and I, I sweat worse than anybody. Mm-hmm. I really do. I get back to the station. I am just drenched. But you know what? I do it for the people. Yeah, you do. I do it for the people. Yeah. And this isn't the best audio in the world. Had, there's a little <laughs> distance between us and the coaches. I try to reach out that microphone as far as possible. Shout to Kenny Lanou. He offered to hold the microphone, but he was already holding two anyway. Oh. So I was like, nah, I got you, bro. I got you, but I appreciate your uh, your uh, willingness to help me out. But let's hear from Brian Anderson. He is BA, and he is um, the running backs coach. At K State, he's got some wonderful things to say about Deuce Fun. But how's it been going so far with these running backs here during fall camp? It's going well. It's going well. The guys are working hard. Uh, they know they need to work on every single day, and I'm challenging them every single day. And so uh, DJ's come back in great shape. Uh, he's getting more comfortable. You know, for Anthony, it's all new. You know, it's not junior college. I'm, I'm on him every single snap, so he's he's trying to get. Uh, used to how he's being coached, you know, so those guys are working hard. Talk about him. Can you kind of specifically, what does he bring to, uh, to what does he bring to the team that maybe some of the other guys don't? Well, he's a bigger back, you know, and, and he's played some college football before. So now it's getting him comfortable with what we do and how we do things. And I think once he gets comfortable, uh, you'll, you'll see a good, really, very good football player. Does still find a way to surprise you? Yes. His preparation is, is amazing. Uh, the way he works, the way he handles, takes care of his body. I mean, everything is working towards an ultimate goal, you know. And so uh, every day uh, you know, this summer, when I was in town, we would spend time together, watch film. He's calling me, uh, wanting this, wanting more. And so, I mean, it's just a process of, you know, how he handles everything, how he looks at everything. and. And every single day, it's a, like I said, it's a process, and he's enjoying the process right now. Does it look like he's faster? Yes, yes. I think he's he's put on really good weight, and uh, he had a really good offseason in the weight room. And uh, we got an unbelievable strength staff. You know, those guys do an unbelievable job, and I, our, our whole team's gotten faster. So, and he's one of those guys that's done that. Locker room presence grown since you've been here. Uh, I just think the people that see him and how he handles himself every single day. He's a constant pro. I mean, you know, he takes care of his body. He gets in the cold tub. He attacks the workouts during fall camp. Uh, he sits in meetings. He takes notes. And so all the things that he does, guys see that and they try to be like him. And that just helps our locker room because he's always, he's never too high, he's never too low, and he's always got a smile on his face. Really bullish on DJ Giddens. Um, what, what have you seen out of him as far as growth from last year to this year? Being comfortable, you know, being comfortable. Like playing running back at this level, 
it's just not about just getting the ball. There's so many things that, that go along with understanding the offense, understanding what the guys up front are doing, you know, understanding what the defense is doing, how the defense is lined up, you know, and reading your dots, understanding your reads in the run game, understand your protections and those things. And you can see him getting comfortable every single day. And the thing I tease him about all the time, he's such a quiet kid, but he's, he's smiling more. You know, and, and that's why I try to tell the guys all the time. Guys, when you walk out of that locker room and onto the field as we're out here on the grass, man, put a smile on your face because it's fun. you got to have fun. And so that's one thing DJ's done for me. He's put a smile on his face every single day. He's having fun. Coach talked about uh, with Deuce trying to find different ways to get him the ball, whether it's motioning him or in the slot. Does that maybe create some more opportunities for other guys when you're moving him around? Yes, definitely does. Because you know, we're just watching film the other day, and even our defense – uh, we had them run a, a, wheel, a wheel route out of the backfield, and they dropped the DN and the corner over top of them. So he took two guys out of one play. So that's going to open things up for other people. And so we're just trying to continue to find ways to get him the ball, get him in space. But he does such a great job of running, running between the tackles because he's got great vision. And so you know we don't want to take too much away from him, getting him out, you know, out in the open because we like running between the tackles. But definitely when he's on the field, he's a problem. You may be have another back in there at that time then too? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's going to open up more opportunities for those guys. Because right now we're trying to push their envelope of learning all the route concepts. Everything that we do with him so when he comes out of the game, we can just add those guys into it without you know, changing personnel very much. Is there a little bit more pressure on Deuce just because the guys behind him have not had that much experience here at K-State? No pressure. No pressure. He's, he's the leader in the, in the room. They watch him. Uh, he helps them out. Uh, he wants those guys to be good players. He knows we need those guys to be good players, so there's no undue pressure on him at all. Where's he at? Kind of historically for you and guys that you've coached, like in terms of just how special he's become. Well, he's such a different kind of back than the other guys I've coached before, you know. Um, he does it all as far as like running between tackles, running on the edge, and running routes. So I've never had a guy that's been a complete package like that. So that's where he's so different, you know, and, and so – and he's so smart. You know, that's the thing that sometimes gets unnoticed, the how smart he is as a football player. He can see things happen before it happens because he studies so much, you know. And, and that's one thing that talking to his mom this summer, she had no idea how he prepares for a game. And so he went through a weekly schedule, and she was shocked. She had no idea that he studies that much. And so, you know, everything he does is, is like I said earlier, it's for a purpose to be the best player he can be. Connection to the family, being around the game so much. How has that helped your room? Because you guys are probably doing a little, things a little bit differently now and all. Well, it's just the fact of him him being who he is and where he comes from and the background he, he comes from, it helps me, you know, with the other guys. Because I said, hey, let's call his dad. You guys don't believe me. You know, and so his dad may say, hey, this is what we look for. It's all about production, you know. And so when those guys look at me like I'm crazy sometimes, I just get his dad on the phone and go, hey, when you guys are scouting guys and what, when you guys are looking at guys, what are you looking for? And he helps, he helps me explain to those guys, hey, this is what it's like. This is what it is. And so it's been a great relationship with his dad and I for the last 20-plus years. With Colin coming in as the offensive coordinator, too, how has how's that changed what you do in your room? Are there, are there differences? Uh, not, not a lot of differences. Not a lot. We, you know, we're, we're trying to stay on task with what we've been doing. We may tweak a word here now. But everything that I'm doing that Colin wants me to do, continue to try to find ways to get Deuce the ball. So every week, I'm always looking at different things, maybe college, maybe NFL, on how people are using their better, their better players. And so that's what my job is, and 
and try to find ways to get him the ball in different areas and uh, continue to, to do the things we've been doing and get better at all those things. There you have it. Brian Anderson, running backs coach for K-State. Tomorrow on the show, you'll hear from uh, offensive line coach Connor Riley and also Thad Ward, who's the wide receivers coach for K-State. But when we come back, Big Steve, a quick break. And when we come back, number one song of the day. It's not Olivia Newton-John. I, we've already done all her big hits. But Hall & Oates isn't too bad. I, sw- I swear I burned this album so quickly in terms of uh, needle burn. From 1981, Private Eyes by Hall & Oates. Two weeks at number one. They're from Philly and they formed in 1970. Guys, they want us to remind you that the official name of the group is not Hall & Oates. It's Daryl Hall and John Oates. As a matter of fact, they point out on every album they've released, not a single one of them says Hall and Oates. It says John Oates, or it says Daryl Hall and John Oates. uh, 45s would be the same way. Yeah, I I would love to see what the old jukebox entries had with the old slip of paper. You know, hey, Daryl Hall and uh, Johnny Oates. Too bad, so sad. Yo, dad, brother. It's too, it's 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 too far now. We've been saying Holland Oats for how many years? Hey, cut bait on that and stop being a stick in the mud. You're Holland Oats, punk. Reminds me, is the phone line still active? Yeah, 1350 KMN. Call no, no, up no. Stevo. No, there is a uh, there is a phone line that you call. Yeah. <laughs> And they are playing Hall and Oates tracks. As a matter of fact, called Call and Oates. It is, it is seven one nine. Yes. Two six Oates, <laughs> and it is still up today. Yes. You know, as a matter of fact, as a matter of fact, yeah. We're gonna we're gonna call it right now. We're gonna pull up uh, Private Eyes. Yeah. Okay. Unbelievable. By the way, while Mitch is doing this, yeah. I wish everybody could have seen Troy got so hype at his that. Face. Like he was jumping was up and down every, in yeah. his chair like, and yes, everything. It's still there. It's, it's still there. It's a truly amazing moment in, in radio. Because honestly, I mean, at this point, would you expect that the line oh, would still be active? No. No. I mean, time and temp isn't this, even a thing. This phone, I forgot, doesn't have the letters on the uh, phone, so I got to oh, look them up. Oh, boy. You got to remember. Oh, my God. This is a mess. Okay. Fre- freaking dials. Let me, tr- let me try this again. <laughs> remember when you used to text on that? No. Oh, no. That was Multiple terrible. Multiple button presses everywhere. Flip phone. Got Are it, you Two, cool? Six. Do Two. you have beer two number two give (laughs) away send welcome to call the notes your emergency hall and oats helpline to hear one on one please press one wow we have options yes please press two to hear manita please press three to hear privatized please press four Oh, this takes me back to the LimeWire days, man. Yes. <laughs> this takes me back to movie phone days, where you call up and they tell you what the movies were playing in your area. This was the kind of stuff they had going on, baby. 
I think this hotline's out of uh, Colorado. Who's keeping this? Is, yeah. oh, <laughs> Two fans in 2011 out of Colorado made this. Wow. All right, so let's continue on here. We got the song going again. Uh, in 2018, 60th anniversary celebration of Billboard Hot 100, the duo's ranked 18th on the top 100 list of all time, artists of all time. VH1 placed them at number 99 on the greatest artists of all time. And they were inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2014. 18 studio albums, all called Daryl Hall and John Oates. 29 top 40 hits. This was their third of six number ones. I think even if Hall and Oates is not your style, it's it's hard not to respect them. Like they really churned out some of like rock's greatest hits, man. They 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 were a machine. Not only that, but Daryl has done with his Daryl's House series a lot of neat stuff if you sit down and watch with the interviews and the music that's involved really a well done show from their 10th album private eyes song compares the challenges of a romance to the cloak and dagger work performed by detectives well the song title is actually influenced by the 1980 movie the private eye starring don knotts and tim conway oh boy as bubbling detectives well, there was actually a working title for this song before they settled it on Private Eyes. As a matter of fact, when they re-released this album in the liner notes, they had it listed as the original title. Not with the original, but one of the titles of this song. It almost became Head Above Water, but water was not spelled W-A-T-E-R. It was spelled H-2-O. <sighs> Which Thank falls in God. with the Hall of Notes. Dodge the yeah. bullet. Yeah. Thank God they didn't do that. Did you know this Jeez. this song carries a very similar rhythm to Kiss on My List? Yeah. Yeah, I can yeah. see that. I can hear that. Very few uh, differences, but the biggest difference is the hand clapping chorus. Yeah. That became pretty big uh, in their uh, in their concerts. God. And, by, and my last note about Hall & Oates was this. Hotline you can call to get Hall & Oates songs I, on looking, demand. I'm looking forward when management walks in and says, um, explain this uh, long-distance phone call here, yeah, please. I, I go, they still have long-distance phone calling? <laughs> what the hell? How, they Remember, with bondage. Yeah, man, jeez. <laughs> what the hell? All right, I think that's it for the hotline. Well, maybe, can we get another song? Could you play uh, yeah, Man Eater's great. It's a great song. What's your favorite H and O? H two O. I don't song? know. I have to pull up the list. Yeah, because they have a lot of, uh, as the kids say, bangers. See if this is going to start over. Maybe, maybe let me push a different number. Nope. I think that's it. Nope. It hung up on me. Damn. <laughs> it said no. You don't get another song. Yeah. Everyone gets one. Yeah. Everybody gets one. Kiss on my list is great. Rich Girl is a great one. I can't go for that. That's another really good one. Ooh, that might be my favorite. Hey, by that the way, one might be my favorite. By the way, there is a Twitter account for Colin Oates as well. Wow. They've got, yeah. What so, for? Uh, to promote the phone line. Go ahead and uh, Does anybody follow them, like, it? hey, thanks for hanging up on us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, do they have a star rating? I'm going to leave them a yeah, two. Right? Yeah. There you go. And then attach a link to the podcast. Yeah. 
All right. Uh, Big Steve, I'll tell you what. Uh, get us out when we need to get out. If uh, DG is ready, we can get to some Ask Us Anything. I'm ready. Today uh, on the uh, uh, K-Rock Morning Show, we did a Would You Rather Wednesday. Would you rather be a singer-songwriter, or would you rather be a songwriter who could not sing, or would you rather be a singer who doesn't write any of their own stuff, can't oh, do it? Listen, I know I stomp on those that, I mean, Hall & Oates is guilty as well on a couple um, of not writing their own material. They've definitely had a lot of help. Sure. There are those artists, those pop stars out there, and a lot of country artists as well that don't write their own music. Mm-hmm. And they're the biggest thing in the world. I would still rather be on stage performing in front of a crowd, being a rock star or whatever, if some of my material is written. Sure. I'll get over it. Sure. Yeah, I would probably have to go with that as well, because honestly, can you imagine the insomnia when you've got some song stuck in your head and it happens night after night after night because you're writing hits? Yeah. I'm just always like... For people that are artists and write their own stuff, after like four or five albums, what else you got to say? You know what I mean? Like, what else could you possibly need to put down pen to paper? You would need someone else to give you that song. That's when you start covering. Absolutely. And and that Woodstock 99 documentary on Netflix, have you seen this thing? Is it different than the HBO? Yes. Is it? Okay. No, I've not watched it. It's amazing. Like, um, Jonathan Davis from Korn, he's like talking about having... All those people, 250,000 people in the palm of his hand. is amazing. It was really cool. Check that out. Oh, um, bl- when they played blind and everybody whoa. started jumping, but it was like a wave because uh-huh. of the delay in the audio. Insane. A Big Steve, what about you? Sorry, what was the question? I was back tying. Esteban Gigante, ladies and gentlemen. Um, would you rather be a songwriter or uh, who can't sing or a singer who can't write his own stuff? A singer who can't write his own stuff. Perfect. Because that's what I am now. <laughs> oh, all right. We f- we keep forgetting to have him like do his thing. I want to hear Big Steve. Uh, Esteban Grande. Uh, what's the dumbest fad you got into? Me, we bleached our hair back in high school, like Eminem. But I didn't leave mine in long enough, so it was just like copper colored. It was terrible. And then I had senior photos the next day. My mom was mm, um Fad. I, I remember when like... X Games, oh. BMX, skateboarding, rollerblades was really, really in oh. in the late 90s, early 2000s. And I got myself a BMX bike and started ramping off dirt hills and stuff. I was really into that. I don't know if that's the dumbest, but... You were at pretending you were being interviewed by Sal Masekela. You remember that guy? Oh <laughs> Pretended I was Dave Mira. Yes. Uh, R.I.P., right? It, yeah. it, it was getting involved in this thing where utilized a, a modem to be able to get online, something called the internet. <laughs> How dumb does that sound now? I mean, come on. <laughs> Stavin? Still back timing. One more. Sorry. <laughs> I've got it now, though. Uh, what's the dumbest fad you ever got into, Stephen? Ooh. Probably, and this is going to be super controversial, the scene days back in middle oh school. My. Eyeliner, nail polish, the Whoa! whole nine yards. Would you call, would you call it the scene? Emo, emo slash scene. It's go, oh, it goes I've both. never called it yeah. scene. I'm just, emo, of course. The scene scene. You know what I'm trying? I'm trying to be it's called seen. scene kids. I'm a scene kid because I want to be seen. I thought you were going to say uh, call in the Hall & Oates hotline. I hated <laughs> I was into that for years. <laughs> Oh, my God. You got eight seconds. Quick question. No, I just want to say you guys are really cool. Thank you. You're not too bad yourself. For Big Steve, 
DG, he's all right. Troy, he's yeah. working on it. I'm Mitch, the star. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>